0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. If you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Theology in the Raw. That's patreon.com forward slash Theology in the Raw. Support the show for as little as five bucks a month. There's over 200 patreon supporters and if you support the show you become part of the patreon community and you get access to lots of goodies including once a month podcasts once a month blogs and just um, conversations that we have on that platform again that's patreon.com forward slash theology in the raw i have on the show today my friend from a distance we've never met in person isn't that so like 2020? Uh, I feel um, a ki- kindred spirits with Hugh Halter. He is a church planner. He's an author. Um, he's he's become kind of a, a guru in the evangelical, obviously con- evangelical, just the Christian conversation about exploring different ways to do church. And Hugh Halter is not just um, a, a preacher of, uh, (laughs) different ways of doing church. He is a practitioner. He puts his, um, money where his mouth is. Actually, no, he doesn't put his money anywhere in church. As you'll see, he's a big fan of simplifying church so that, um, the church is not dependent upon, um, uh, financial, um, it's not dependent on finances. Like, like we we don't need to like spend lots of money in order to break bread, Uh, engage in discipleship and be, and live on mission together. He started this really cool, um, uh, what is it? It's called post Commons. It's, it's a building that it's, it's a brunch center. It's a a coffee shop. It's a place where they have like whiskey gatherings. They, it's an event center and it's, it's just really cool. You got to go to postcommons.com, uh, and check out what that is all about. And uh, anyway, in this episode, we, uh, Hugh and I, we just kind of explore what it means, what it will mean to be a Christian doing church in a post COVID-19 world. What, what, What should we learn from the massive disruption that has come our way, which has canceled church services across the country almost overnight? Like, that's pretty crazy. And what are some things we can do differently uh, in how we go about doing church in a post-COVID world? If there, if this thing ever lifts, um, life will be different. So, should the church be different? Anyway, we explore those questions, and we have a great conversation. So, please welcome back to the show for the second time, the one and only Hugh Halter. All right, I'm back with my friend, uh, Hugh Halter. Uh, Hugh, how are things going out in your world in the midst of this uh, pandemic that we're going through?
1: Pandemic? Is there really a pandemic? Like, nothing's going on out here. It's normal out in St. Louis area. No, it's uh, it's terribly awesome. Free time, but uh, a lot of sadness over what's going on with the world. So uh, What...
0: Uh, in, in your world what would you say is the main sadness oh it's
1: uh well man it's hard to say you know I'm, I'm now in the service business community so you know i talked a lot to our local business people restauranteurs and you know everybody's had to lay off all their staff so you know as we did so there's a lot of sadness just related to the people that we've worked with um i think we'll be able to bring everybody back and so far everybody's fine but uh you know, if this thing goes two or three months, I think we're going to lose a lot of businesses. And uh, so that's a bummer, obviously, all the sickness and death going on is no picnic. But, uh, you know, I tell people apart from the true sadness, um, and I think there's some really amazing things changing for all of us if we we can kind of keep our ears to the pavement of what the Lord's doing. So I'm, I'm enjoying some of the benefits of rest and relationship and getting some projects done and uh so yeah
0: yeah well i want to come back to that really quick kind of your thoughts on what church is going to look like on the other side of this thing if there isn't another side but uh, real quick just for our audience you know i had you on uh, about eight months ago nine months ago um just give us a quick update on who you know you're a church planner by trade traditionally but what you're what you've been up to the last several years has been um, kind of written more different, much more innovative. So just give us an overview of what the Post Commons is sure. and what kind of, if I could even say, church plant you're involved in. Yeah, I mean,
1: most of what I do now is, is and always have been for the last 25 years, training church planters in non-traditional forms of church. So we've done two of them ourselves, more you know, networks of missionary communities and neighborhoods. But uh, what we're doing right now in Alton, Illinois, just north of St. Louis, is more of a we call it kind of a trappist work a uh, business for mission we created an apostolic hub that uh is really a, an all-day brunch cafe coffee shop and event center that sort of forms our sustainability but also our missionary kind of emphasis in the, in the city sort of sets up everything so i do a lot of uh we're kind of coaching leaders in what we would actually um, press. I don't know if I told you this last time, but we're going to start a network called the free market church, which is going to be designed to help reframe church uh, without all the need for money and then uh, use our money wow. to create sustainable ventures in the marketplace, um, you know, for all the benefits that it gives. So obviously when you're doing free market church, you know, um, and then the market completely falls out, <laughs> you know, it hurts us too. So it's not a foolproof plan, but I think it might be the wave of the future and it is allowing us to make it. So, I mean, where are many, many church leaders will not make it right now. We're able to sustain because we have not tied any money to mission at this point. So everything that we would call church functioning, we think you can do that for no money at all. Like it's completely free. So, yeah. that's, uh, that's So yeah, for the audience, so uh,
0: postcommons.com, if you go to postcommons.com, you can see an overview of what, uh, this, what, what, what he was talking about. Um, uh, it's a brunch kitchen, coffee shop, event center. Um, wh- uh, is there a whiskey well, th- tasting? Of course, Preston,
1: there's whiskey everywhere. <laughs> there, uh, <laughs> no, we have, I mean, you can't have church without you know, have whiskey. Full bar supports the events and, uh, you know, you can get a pour during the day as well, but it's mostly the service, the events that we do in there.
0: And what, so um, somebody might say, well, okay, so this guy owns a coffee shop and he's a Christian, but what, I mean, so how is this church or is there like a gathering or something that happens at this place or what kind of church gathering, if we even want to use that phrase, is not is intertwined? with?" Yeah, you story? will
1: find though, like as you're watching Facebook and, and you're noticing all the the I guess uh, articles being written about church right now most people are still I, I don't know why we still keep seeing church in in these ways but all we're talking about is the gathered stuff like how our church is live streaming their sermons to whatever it is and yeah. I think we're missing the substantial uh, undercurrents of of a massively different way of thinking about church so yeah, we have a coffee shop we run business but all that is, is what we call an apostolic hub it's a convergent space that uh, allows us to connect with the same people every day and link our missionary team in with that so it's a it's a very integrated environment um and so yeah we we do church stuff all the time we've got neighborhood communities uh we do have gatherings um Right now, like everybody else, are on Zoom. So there's nothing different about that. But our gatherings are not to deliver a sermon. Our gatherings are more like uh, missionary training times. Uh, we teach our people that they have to be responsible for their own spiritual formation uh, inside their community. So when we gather via Zoom or when this is over and we gather normally, uh, we're more like a cloistered order, if you will. Like we're talking about the mission and we're talking about our lives together uh, we're not just trying to deliver a teaching and then try to get people through the week and do it, do it again. So I think most churches right now, that's yeah. where most of the conversation is. How do we just keep the sermons getting out to our people and we're missing, uh, you know, the reality of what God might be opening up for us as far as, well, you know, we talk about more incarnational life or incarnational church where all that means is it's less programmatic or may not have hardly any program. It's individual people that learn how to to give leadership to their own street and their own neighborhood and again i still i'm not seeing anybody talk about it. I, you know churches are going yeah we're doing some cool stuff now because we've got some free time but my fear is that when this is over they will go right back to where they were and they will just go to listen what? to sermons and i'm just like what <laughs> like i don't know is God behind this? I don't think so. Is God using it? Could he have stopped it? Yeah. Why isn't he? Maybe he's saying, look, I am really tired of you guys focusing on your church gathering so much.
0: So I want to, I want to, I wanna, let's linger here for a second. Cause I've got some kind of, I don't know, um, untested, just thinking out loud thoughts that I've been been, been mulling over for the last few weeks. I'd love to bounce them off you. Have you bounced, your ideas sure. off me. I, I just, I, I, I hear from, I probably hear from a, a good number of people that church isn't a building that church isn't a service. You know, I, I do see even people that are in a more traditional environment that at least I hear people say, you know, church is so much more than just the gathering so much more than the service, you know? Um, and yeah, it, it does feel the, like practically though, the service, and I've got nothing wrong intrinsically with services when yep. they're in their place in the in the process of discipleship, um, uh, but I still I don't know I f- I feel like through this whole COVID thing it, it's kind of exposed from my vantage point I could be completely off you and please spank me if if I am it just seems like like you said people are focusing so hard on simply replicating. This church service again, yep. so, which makes me think, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know if we really believe practically that church is much more than a large gathering, much more than a sermon, much more than a service. Cause it seems like that's a, a still the, the one thing that I <laughs> see churches, you know, frantically trying to preserve. Do you have, I mean, am I, do you have any thoughts on that? Or no, you? I mean,
1: obviously uh, a ton of thoughts, you know, this morning, uh, Todd Wilson who helps facilitate the uh, exponential church plant conference which is really the largest church plant conference in the world. He made a post today basically asking, okay, guys, on the missional side, all of you missional guys, are you really doing anything different than the more traditional attractional guys and you know, I'm kind of watching the threads today mm-hmm. um, but the way the 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 question was framed, it still is like, yeah, you guys are doing zoom meetings, so are the big boys, so what's the difference and what I was trying to point out is that there are some systemic things, way past the whether or not you gather people to look at each other and talk via Zoom. Yes, we are doing mm-hmm. that too. But you know, I just pointed out some things that are unique to the missional movements that I see, and what we're doing is that we're, like I said, we don't we don't have to try to keep uh, the community together through this means, especially in order to collect funds, because no money exchanges hands in our network. A hundred percent of the monies that we have, we find things to do with it that directly serve people. So there's, um, and that's, I think a huge difference. There's zero pressure for us to gather people on a zoom or face uh, to face to kind of deliver something to them, if, if you will. Um, so all the functions of shepherding, pastoring, teaching, evangelism, discipleship, uh, crisis management—you name all the major functions of what we do in church—we don't tie any of those functions to money, and that's that. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to start talking about that. Like if if let's say this writer fibrous goes ten times what it was doing now, if we have another great depression numbers are that were already there, you know, as far as unemployment, but let's just say we don't get bailed out. And this thing really goes down. Um, I know that most, all of those functions of ministry, which Ephesians four would say are the works of ministry, right. That are given to all the saints to do. Um, I know that all of those functions will happen. It's just right now people are, are trying to almost like circle the wagons and go, hey, let's just ride this out. We can get back to normal. I don't think we want to get back to normal. Um, The other thing that, you know, I highlighted for Todd this morning is that, again, where most churches just open up a Zoom meeting, um, anybody can kind of sit back, grab a coffee, and they can actually go, look, I think I'll do 15 minutes of Stephen Furtick, and then I'll go over and dip (laughs) on in to Tim Keller for see what he's got going. And, you know, they, they can literally become more of, a consumer in, in this new environment, uh, Mike Frost I think uh, posted an article today about how this might put us back 30 years if we just, <laughs> um, but like in our setting, not only do we not tie any money to it, we don't let anybody find our zoom meeting unless they're a part of our community. That's why we say we're more like an order where, um, like you could only have been invited to our zoom meeting. If you're literally, um, somebody that's, a pre-believer or you're already a part of our community so we did we invited 20 folks that are not believers to our our easter time um but we do life with those people and they're all asking us stuff about god we would never have put out a post that said hey altonians or people in the st louis area jump on in with us um so and i think you know if you really ask the question well why why would you close off the community to people Those are some of the the questions I think we need to be asking is like for us, we Mm -hmm. don't want anybody to consume. It actually would take energy and spirit away from what we're doing. We literally want to form communities that are very local and have very shared missions together and literally integrate it all. Um, And I I think this Mm -hmm. will be the kind of the second wave of the missional world is us trying to help people move from that consumer safety orientation to, uh, I'm going to get back out there and I'm actually not going to wait for my pastor to teach me. I'm actually going to read the scripture myself and see if I can translate this to some of my friends that are open, you know? So it's, it's yeah. personal responsibility for the mission I think is going to be, you know, what we have to try to help transition the existing church to. A
0: couple of things just in response. I, I, I've, I've been a big, I guess, fan, proponent, or someone who wants to explore what would it look like to make, um, I don't want to say church gathering, let's just say church not dependent upon money, you know? Like, how much does it cost to break bread, learn the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to pray? Now, it's kind of a... I don't know, tongue-in-cheek question because the 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 right answer there is a right answer. The right answer should be well, it doesn't cost anything, right? Actually, it's incredibly expensive. (laughs) You know, in as much as we create churches, yeah, it can
1: be. It can either be millions of dollars needed on a weekend for some churches, or it can be completely free, like they have in the underground church in Iran, or underground church of China, or underground church in St. Louis. It's free.
0: Here's my one. So I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of um, simplifying church, even, even to the extreme, make, make it almost, and, and this might be to a fault on my part, almost make it non-attractional. Like I've been, you know, I know Francis Chan and his crew out in San Francisco, or at least, you know, he's gone now, but um, they, they almost go out of their way to put like really boring teachers, you know, sharing in a living room, you know, just so people don't come because there's some dynamic yep. teacher. And Francis Chan never rarely does he even teach in that context because they're, they're just, they want to go out of their way to, make it non-attractional so that people are attracted to the dirtiness of the gospel. Um, Here's my one concern though, and you, you even made a comment in passing about, you know, people reading the scriptures on their own. I guess I'm, 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 I'm a little nervous about that. Like I I do think that I'm, I've seen, I mean, that's how many cults have started, right? Just some charismatic leader interpreting the Bible on his own without some sort of communal (laughs) accountability or guidance or even authority that actually knows the scriptures well. Um so I I how do, how do we balance having qualified teachers, not just to give sermons. I just I I gosh, I want to get out of that straitjacket. Um but but people that can for lack of better terms, you know, disciple people in a Christian vision for life or however you want to you know reword things, um, to to help people understand a Christian worldview to help them understand what it means to follow yeah. Jesus to to even, I mean, I think there is a place to, you know, um, exposing and addressing false doctrine or whatever. Um, it, it's hard to do that when you're working 50 hours a week in another job. Like, how do you even go to get educated? Do you need to get educated? Is there a place for releasing some yep. leaders to to oversee the kind of discipleship process? Is that, is that making yeah, sense? I, mean, I get
1: this question all the time, but here, here's like, and I'm not just trying to be a turkey with this response, but when when, because what we're really asking is how do we make sure there's good grounded teaching right but if we look at the evangelical church which has been the best i think at at teaching and preaching and then we look at the last 50 years of all that collective preaching and that preaching did not release the saints in the ministry that teaching did not ever change the laity clergy divide In my evangelical upbringing, nobody ever taught me about the kingdom of God as actually here and something I need to participate in. I also was taught the Holy Spirit doesn't really do what he used to do in Scripture anymore. And that was what was called grounded biblical teaching. So I think we want to at least raise a hand in the back of the classroom and go, hey, teacher, are you sure that you've been teaching the full counsel of God if if we have not framed church leadership around a pest in Ephesians four, and we've propped up this mm-hmm. single leader, Hugh Halter is my pastor. Then I would say we've actually been doing really unbiblical teaching this whole time. We just never wanted to call a spade a spade. So I, I, I go, Hey, I think at this point it's time to take a risk and release the saints to be able to read the scriptures and figure it out. I think most of the narratives in the new Testament, especially are at a third grade reading level, you know, if you just read it, the kids they are going to generally pick up 90% of the big themes. Um, and I think right now with what our culture dealing with, they are not looking for deep theological nuances. <laughs> they are looking for how do I do life on Monday uh, with my spouse and how do I become a better dad? What do I do with my money? All the, so I just, I think we got to yeah. stop going we've been doing great teaching. I actually think we've been doing really marginal teaching at best when we have framed church around the church service and around the the single leader, the idea that we need somebody that's that much better than us to somehow orate, um, again, some nuances that that hold our attention. Are you kidding me? Like, so like in our, just take our little community, we're 50 people. We're not big. Um, I'd say 40 of our people would be very appropriate to just share the word. And that's what we do. And it's always great. It doesn't matter who shares it. Um, and I think most churches probably would have 80% of their people that know enough. I mean, they used to tell us that if you grew up in church to the fifth grade, you had more Bible knowledge than most pastors in Africa. So I, I think we got to really realize our sheep have plenty they are full to the brim with with basic biblicalism, and they can get it done.
0: I, w- I want to. Can I push back sure, on that a little bit? On. Oh, I want to. I want to. I want a hundred. So I I a hundred percent agree that simply teaching the way we've always done is inadequate, and I would not equate that with good teaching. And I would even say like we need to release people simply to teach well or preach certain like i'm not at all saying i'm saying um i would I, I don't know i would say very few christians actually do have a strong christian worldview that is not just orthodoxy but orthopraxy right. or even i you know i look at um I, I don't know like like the problem of evil like this average person this is a pressing. you know my two-year-old just died not i didn't literally not me but i mean my two-year-old just died I thought God was good. Did God kill my baby? Like is the average person prepared to actually address a problem
1: a question no, but like, like that? But that honestly, is really like, people? Like I just or
0: science and creation or even the hell or sexuality? I mean I this is the world I live in, people don't have a clue. What sex is, why did God create sex? What is sex for? What's marriage for? Does God prohibit same sex relations that are consensual and loving? And why? What's wrong? Like these are, I don't think the average person can really address these real basic pressing questions. I I agree with
1: you, but I go, but we don't have to meet that need through a sermon. We write books, right? That's, Oh, I agree. If, if like, I'm 53, a week ago, I actually watched two hours of CNN, and by the end of it, I actually thought I was probably going to die, and I start to freak out. And so I literally go to my, (laughs) my, uh, because I know there's an NT Wright book on heaven on my, so I can go find the information I need on the deeper things, but when we say that we need the sunday sermon to deliver all that i think we're missing an opportunity we can deliver teaching we're really talking about the teaching gift of the ministry of church right but we can de- disseminate yeah, so i don't want to equate um... in all sorts of ways is all i'm saying i i just don't know if we used to try to get it all done in the sermon there therefore yeah of course we need sunday to yeah. come around so we can get all this deep teaching people always go oh, i'm looking for deep you know deep meat so to speak um we forget yeah. now and we're learning this. Our even our own parishioners right now, if they if they need information on something, they know where to go. They can Google it, they can grab a commentary online. They don't need us to do that function as much anymore. Uh maybe not at all. So you know, where we used to pay a teaching pastor ninety grand a year, I go, you don't need that anymore. You actually can decentralize most of the teaching to the people, and then on the nuanced difficult issues you just send them to resources or to good books or to a good podcast or a webinar or something like that.
0: Yeah, so I in no way I mean I when I look at the sermon, a monological sermon, you know that that worked it's debated but it worked fairly well between the reformation and the pre-internet world. I think it, you know there's a lot of good that yep. came out of it. I was shaped by listening to piper sermons whatever and I you know I, my my uh posture as a Christian in my life has been shaped for good by um, some element of monological teaching. Now that does, that world doesn't exist anymore. So, I mean, it worked well, but pre-internet, you know, between reformation when you had a lot of people literate and, you know, oration was kind of a a thing that people did for date night on Saturday night. They go listen to three hour oration like that, that world, it did exist. My fear is that we're trying to maintain a brand of church that in a world that doesn't exist anymore. And I, and I wonder if, if, if the one, two punch of the internet and now COVID it it is, or should disrupt some of that to to, to wean us off the breast of this world that doesn't exist anymore. Um, but I, I still, so what, what if, I am still concerned with Christians, not, Not being able to listen to sermons, um, but not um, being—I'm being really careful with my words. You know, let's just say, discipled or educated or trained, or maybe it's one-on-one, one-on-two, maybe it's a conversation, but somebody who actually is much, much more knowledgeable to even point them what to Google or what sources to read and what which ones not to read because you and I both know, you know, just because there's a commentary online doesn't mean that's going to help them. I mean, gosh, I mean, there's several online that I'd be like, yeah, Yeah. that's going to push you away from the actual Jesus. So who like is, could there be a place for a, maybe, maybe he's called a pastoral theologian or a pastoral disciple or somebody within the community that can kind of be the go to person or persons um, to help guide people in, in some of the really complicated aspects. I just think, I don't know if you know, I mean, I
1: just think that's what the the concept of overseer was or an elder. It was the older wiser people that you go to, to essentially broker you to what you need. So, and I, I think that that leadership gifting and function is still needed inside the church, even when it's decentralized and even when it's very simple but you may not need an elder or an overseer to be the primary teacher in a setting. They might just say, Hey, okay. what you're asking me, I just heard a great podcast by Keller on that. Go check it out or assist you on sexuality. Get a hold of sprinkles thing on this, you know? Um, but yeah, we are overseeing. What I have found in our community though, is that there's lots of people that have the teaching gift in our community. Um, And they will sometimes they'll read a book and they send a a note to everybody in our community. Hey, I just read this great deal. Check it out if you're interested in this. So you'll find that people kind of naturally kind of guide each other towards deeper concepts and the resources where you can get that stuff. Um, And a lot of of times I just sit back and go, oh, yeah, I've read that. It's great. I definitely recommend it. And then people go deep on that stuff. So I just think it's easier and more natural than we think. Again even on the discipleship end, it, again, it just happens naturally. Once you begin to form that community, the one-on-ones, like you said, the one-on-two, two-on-twos, um, you know, we'll get three or four couples together, you know, pretty consistently, and, and we'll trade that up. And we just have three-hour chats over a nice glass of wine or whatever. And it always goes really deep at at the real discipleship conversation level. So yeah. I just know that those things don't generally at least – from what I hear and how I have coached so many churches, they don't seem to happen on a Sunday and they rarely happen in a typical small group. Um, So I think we've got to move the conversation from small groupy stuff to actual intentional missionary communities. Uh, Most of what we're concerned about will take care of itself.
0: Well, that's good, man. That's good. Um, what, What do you, as you look forward, let's just say, you know, the the intensity of COVID-19 lasts, let's just say three months. Maybe it takes another three months to kind of get back on our feet. I mean, this is pretty optimistic. We're, we don't we don't know what what's going to happen. But let's just say in six months, things are more or less back to normal. What would you like to see the church do differently um, on the other side of that? Assuming that they're not all going to do exactly what you're doing, but maybe they would maintain... A tr a loose traditional structure, but we, what would you love to see within maybe that broadly speaking, traditional structure? What would you love to see churches revisit in the wake of COVID? Yeah. I
1: mean, um, again, it really depends on the type of church that you went into the COVID scenario as, um, Neil Cole had a great little, and Neil's been, you know, essentially prophetically preparing the church for 40 years on this thing and, um, you know, it's been fairly quiet, but he just did a a very simple little Facebook the other day about the three types of churches, and the first are the those small traditional 70 to 120 people type of church, single leader, you know, good, they just love each other, but he said that third is probably not going to make it three to six months financially, and so there really will be and and this I'm really sad about because most of those churches are pastored by middle-aged guys like me that um, opted mm-hmm. out of Social Security back, you know, in the 70s and 80s when we could in our early 20s. So we don't even have governmental funding options. There's no Medicaid, Medicare. And so if you figure a third of our churches may not make it, you have a lot of older uh, leaders that don't, they you know, they haven't developed a skill in the world. It's going to be And by the way, there's not a lot of jobs right now. So, um, those I think it's just, it's going to be very painful. It's going to be a natural carnage of what we're seeing happen. Um, but he said, you know, that, that first type of church, don't lament it too bad because you're nimble enough that you can get to the third style of church a lot quicker. And third, I think he would refer more to what we're doing churches that are already not centered on money. So, um, you know, basically if you can figure out your own income, you can go right to a natural, simple style of church that you don't have to live this pressure anymore. The ones, you know, the second type of church you said are more of the, the ones that right now are working frantically to try to hang on and keep sort of the show afloat. And he said, some of those will probably make it, but they're going to be leveraged. You know, they're going to take on more debt. Some of them may even merge with other churches to try to survive. I think Neil was trying to say that if you're just going to try to survive, you might make it another five, seven, 10 years, but this is the way the puck is going to slide to, you know, from here on out, there there will be more of these global pandemics. I just think we're set up for it now. So, you know, I always try to encourage folks just, you know, when you see the puck start to slide to that corner of the rink, just start moving your way that direction somehow, so churches, if you can downsize your facility, if you can sell your your land, you know, you always thought you were going to keep building and growing. You'd probably not. So sell the land. Um, think of ways to maybe fund your missionary leaders for a two-year, three-year runway to give them the ability to reenter the workforce. Um, but I, to me, those would be appropriate ways to begin to to move in the right direction. Just simplify. Simplify you know, you, you are going to have to lay off staff. That doesn't have to be a bad thing, especially for missionary leaders. It might actually be what releases people, uh, to take on the life that, you know, they'll actually maybe even prefer two or three years from now, you know, it might feel painful right now, but if you've got 30 people on staff at your church, you probably need to figure out how to do it with 10. And, uh, so that's where I, Who you said, Neil, I, Who's the Neil, Neil you're talking about? Neil Cole. Neil uh, wrote a book, really one of the seminal books, called "Organic Church" back in the, I guess that probably was the '80s. Um, and I would, I would go back and read that. Um, it was, it's what started, in many ways, the organic house church movement. Um, and oh. you know, the house church movement had its difficulties too. It can be as closed in and as non-missional as Mm -hmm. megachurches. So um, we're not really talking about the form. The form is not that big a deal. Um, And I've seen very large megachurches be highly missional. So, but what we are talking about are simple structures where most of the the ideas of ministry or the ways of ministry can happen without any money. And I, I think that would be the way to keep thinking, okay, how can I do this without money? How can I deliver this without money? How can we form our people, uh, in ways that don't cost. So very simply, um, if somebody wants to get help, um, maybe jot this down, we're going to open up a website probably within about four weeks called freemarketchurch.com. And that, that site will be there to resource people and how to do church for free. Um, and so, you know, it's not ready yet, but we're just beginning to load up um, some stuff on that. So, maybe stay in touch with that. But I think that, you know, again, all over the world church is not based on money. Um, we never, none of us, not even somebody like me that writes about, I never really ever thought it would get this bad, this fast. In literally one week's time, yeah. March 15, we had less than 10% of our churches gathered in America. So yeah, if if we don't crazy. see, <laughs> the depth of what just happened. I think we are lying to ourselves. We are not going to, and by the way, even if, if this goes away and Trump opens up the country and five, six months from now, you can be at cafes having some nice tapas again, recognize a good chunk of your church. People will also, uh, they will not have gotten new jobs yet, or they'll still be recovering. It might take them five years to recover financially from what they lost. So, the giving is going to go down significantly, even if you can reboot a gathered church. So um, somehow you as a leader have, have to disconnect money from mission. Um, that's the only thing I would say systemically. You just have to make the disconnect. And leaders, I think you're going to have to go down with the ship. You're know, you you're going to have to say as the leaders, we'll cut our salary in half. We'll figure out how to make it like everybody else um, to stem the tide and to model, um, this, we, we can't just maintain our salaries while our congregants aren't. And I just, you know, I, that's a hard thing to say, but we all need to start to hustle. I, I just took on two different paint jobs the other day. I'm 53. My back is out. I don't like, I don't need this anymore. (laughs) Or I should say, I I don't want this, but, I realized, okay, Halter, you got to start hustling again and do what you used to do. And, you know, hopefully God will give you give us strength. We're, we're already talking about downsizing a house again. Um, it's like the downwardly mobile journey is going to be what saves you and your church at this point. And I think mm-hmm. it could be a really beautiful, healthy, enjoyable downward journey um, that might set you up. You know, like when I lived in Denver five years ago, I needed – you know 10, 10 grand a month to live in that culture right now we're trying to figure out how to live off four grand a month that that's been a healthy thing mm. for cheryl and i um and it allows us to literally just be available for our community and I, I just don't need to make as much and when i when i can't pay the bills they're not as big of bills i can, I can get back at them later you know yeah. so maybe a little lo- you, you wrote a book go ahead you 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 wrote
0: a guide, Bivo uh, is some sort of guide for like how to become a bivocational leader. Can you speak into bivocational pastoring? Is that, are you a big fan of that? Do you think every pastor should be bivo? No, I'm not a
1: fan think. of any of it. I think you should, somebody that's a millionaire <laughs> should just give us all money so we can do stuff. But if that's not the case <laughs> in your life, then yeah, the, the, the bivocational subtitle is learning to leverage all of life into one calling. So that was Probably six years ago, I wrote that to kind of get people ready to to realize church can be a lot of fun if you do it as a team of people that are all bivocational. Um, you know, now mm-hmm. when we talk about marketplace leadership, that's a different. You know, Bible is when you're trying to work at Starbucks so you can preach on the weekends. Uh, good buddy Brad, Brad yeah. Briscoe wrote a book called COVO, which I would get, and he frames covocational is when you intentionally are choosing to work in the marketplace because you feel like it actually sets up ministry better or and then third, yeah, yeah. third would be a marketplace, which is more like what we're doing or you're actually trying to build an economic engine, um, that not only sustains mm-hmm. leadership, but actually continues to do, um, I guess, larger ventures in a, in a town where you can employ people and that type of thing. So, so maybe those three different yeah. levels, but for sure, <laughs> entry level would be Bible, um, where you're actually having to split yeah. life. So you can still give leadership to a congregation of friends. I
0: just, I love, I just love what you're doing, man. I mean, I've, I think I shared this with you last time. I know my audience has heard it a few times, but I just, I just kind of dream of having some kind of space where it's like a coffee shop by day, um, a brewery at night, you have legitimate businesses that can be run by Christians, non-Christians, Muslims, doesn't matter. Yep. Um, you maybe give them a cheaper rent because they're actually sharing space. And then you could also use that space for, if you, if, if you want to have a church gathering, uh, let's make sure we understand what I mean by church here, but just, you want to have believers gathered together to break bread, drink wine, talk about the scriptures, encourage each other, pray. You can have space for that. And the building is just being used, you know, around, but it's, it's generating its own income so that it doesn't cost anything to do church and you're developing skills of people learning how to be a barista, how to be a brewer or whatever. Um, you're in the public, you're in a public space so that, um, you you don't have this weird church building, you know, that you're trying to drag people to. And that's just kind of doesn't, again, that worked in a pre-internet world. It's it's just not much of a thing as much anymore. Um, what's wrong with this plan? (laughs) It's
1: been a blast honestly. And, And I'm saying that, I mean, obviously it's hard work when you run a business. It's, but everything's hard work. So I go, yeah. you know, pick your pain. I'd, I'd much rather have the pain of uh, integrating business and mission and life than, than just taking a paycheck and trying to keep parishioners happy that I I've lived that world too. And I did not like the way that felt. That was a very hard pain for me to bear. Uh, I'd rather work 80 hours yeah. a week doing what I'm doing now. So um, yeah. You know, it was a lot of hope, Preston. Like I, I hope people are not depressed by this conversation. I hope that they start to really lift their head and go, God's yeah. always been the head of the church. He knows what he's doing. He he he's lamenting with us. I think he weeps with us. I think he sees the death. He we kinda of maybe looks at us like Lazarus. He he knows he's gonna rise us up, right? right. He knows he's gonna bring resurrection. Yeah. But he still is sad. He sees how hard this is. But, uh, man, this is the time and the opportunity to be courageous and joyful and create, you know, like really go, Lord, help me think this through. That we're not going to be able to get the rock out of the river anymore. we got to figure out new ways to get around the rock. And God will help us with that. And uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic future for the church if we just fight the urge to go back. To normal
0: yeah no it's good that's yeah, good I, I that's what my my prayer and hope is that churches will use this time to open up fresh horizons and explore creative ways to continue to disciple people in the ways of christ so that we can all be on mission together and discipleship and mission are the you yep.
1: know
0: the twin pillars right yep. why we're here yep. um so i and again there's just there's so many unexplored ways in which we can do that better i think in a post-internet post-covid uh kind of world and i I do i see i do see a hunger maybe even a growing hunger for the actual jesus and the actual kind of community that jesus sought to establish i see that itch in nine out of ten just humans i talk to they're longing for an authentic community they're they're you know, the idea of Jesus, the actual Jesus in scripture, not the way we've kind of presented him in some context, but the actual Jesus is a really compelling person to follow more than ever today. Right. We'll,
1: uh, as we say, the fields are, as he said, the fields are ripe under harvest. (laughs) Right, right, right now. And I, Preston, I wouldn't say right now is the time to just assume everybody wants to hear about Jesus. Um, But it's ripe for us to model the way of the kingdom It's ripe unto harvest for us to create community where people who are lonely and isolated can find uh, friends. Um, There's a lot of ripeness. Um, Realize, though, it might be a year or two. It might be some struggle. Let's also be sensitive out there. Let's just not go, oh, I guess everybody's desperate now. We should jump on them again. No, it's not the time to do that. It's time to be with them, Emmanuel, God with us. Let's just do that Emmanuel stuff for a while and really integrate with real people in real struggle. And, uh, in due time, we will get to proclaim the greatness of our God. I, I fully believe that. So, yeah, that's good.
0: Hugh, I know, I know you got a really important, um, Aaron yeah, right, so but... <laughs>
1: right now. Um, and there's a line, everybody's got a mask on. It's like it's 12 people deep. I'm going to get in there. Um, because there's a really nice bourbon that's only $6. I'm trying to, uh, you know, assuming this is going to get worse. I just want to make sure I have all the essentials and, uh, (laughs) got a great cheese that pairs well with it. So I'm, I'm trying to, I've given up on toilet paper press. I've yet to find toilet paper. Um,
0: I had to order a bunch online. It took a month to get here, but it finally came in. So
1: yeah. never thought about that. That's quite wise. Yeah. I well,
0: I, you know, I would trade my, I will send you uh 10 rolls of toilet paper for your $6 <laughs> bottle of bourbon because it's still 25, 30 bucks. Hey,
1: thanks for letting me uh, ramble well, on here with you, Preston and blessings to you out in Boise. Least your quarantine and just a great spot in our country.
0: It's a cool spot. Lots of outdoor space. Uh, yeah, we're getting out. It's it's uh, yeah. Could could be worse for us. But uh, uh, you got a good website, Halter dot com. Um, I looked on your events page, which is blank, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> think, events, uh, but you got loads of books. <laughs> loads of books. of uh, flesh, Bivo, sacrilege. The tangible kingdom is kind of. I think that's the one you're probably most known yeah. for. Um, would that be? Yeah, I mean, I don't uh, know.
1: That's right know. now though. If somebody wants to like read about decentralizing the church. You might even go to, um, it's a book called and the gathered and scattered church. They give a lot of oh, right. uh, kind oh, of yeah. functional help in decentralizing and even how that affects money. So i check that out as well.
0: You, I looked on Amazon and your audio version of the book flesh is on sale for $662 plus $34 in tax. But there's free well, shipping. Finally, so.
1: my work is is getting <laughs> what it's worth. Finally. Yeah. That's funny. That, uh,
0: and it's a used copy, is, actually. That, Some seller is selling a used copy of your audiobook on a CD 600, for $600. Yeah, that's anyway, perfect.
1: No wonder I never get a royalty check anymore. <laughs> <It's>
0: amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Hugh, thanks for taking your time to uh, hang out with us, and uh, we'll have to have you on again. All right,
1: buddy.